Sorry about that. <laughs> I don't know if you heard, I was uh, trying to kill a fly. Um, the last couple of days we've had the uh, had a new window put in, in here. And as a consequence, there was a big hole in my wall. And so the uh, flies got in and I knew it was going to annoy me if I didn't take care of it. So, all right. Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's Friday, March 18th, 2022. We'll continue our catechesis in John's Gospel, John chapter 11. Um, thanks for patience with me yesterday. Again, I had a big hole in my wall and they were making noise, so uh, we did it over at church yesterday and it seemed to work better. Um, and so, there you go. But now we're back in front of the computer. Let's see, anything else? I don't think so. All right, so let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, we say our memory verse together. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Psalm 24, verse War. Uh, I asked the children this morning about uh, the psalm here, uh, memory verse. I said, well, what is the beauty of the Lord that we behold, that we see? And uh, of course, they had a whole list of things. Oh, uh, flowers and gold and uh, uh, creation and family. Um, but the key here, if you don't, is the context. What do you, be- how do you behold, what is the beauty of the Lord that you behold in the house of the Lord? where you inquire in his temple. What is the beauty there? Right? And so uh, one child, very rightly, says the word of God is beautiful. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And what does the word teach? Where does it fix your eyes? On Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, namely, we preach nothing but Christ and him crucified. Right? Um, So Jesus on the cross, this is especially true in John's gospel, John 11, which we've been reading, the glory of God is revealed in the suffering and death of Jesus. There's nothing more beautiful that this world has ever seen. Even though to our eyes, it's the most unglorious, inglorious, right? Um, the you know, a spectacle of um, brutality and um, gore, right? And yet it's the most beautiful thing the world has ever known. So there you go. Let's uh, say our psalm for this week, Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, our first reading today is from 1 Peter chapter 3. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? 
But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. Do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, for the the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. There is also an antitype which now saves us, baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. Right? We had this reading uh, not that long ago, just a few days ago, right? or maybe last week. Right? A beautiful confession of what it is to be a Christian, which is to speak the truth in love, to um, not be afraid to witness to that which is evil, uh, to expose the evil so that it may be forgiven, brought to the light that is forgiven in Jesus Christ. All right, um, That's the long-suffering that Jesus suffered, right? is for the sake of the truth. What is truth, Pontius Pilate asks, and of course the answer is Jesus. All right, bear with me a minute here. <laughs> There's drywall dust or whatever all over everything in here from the window, <laughs> and it's annoying. All right, good. Um, our reading then for catechesis is from John chapter 11. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus did. And the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and not the whole nation should perish. Now this is he now this he did not say on his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. Then from that day on they plotted to put him to death. Therefore Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there into the country near the wilderness to the, a city called Ephraim, And there remained with his disciples. And the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then they sought Jesus and spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think, that he will come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it, that they might seize him. All right. So uh, again, context for those of you who watched yesterday morning. You remember that uh, Lazarus was raised from the dead, and Jesus, the last word Jesus said was to uh, unwrap him, so to speak, to remove the grave clothes. Um, let's see, anything else on that? No, I think that's probably good. All that was a work of God the Father through his Son giving resurrection to flesh, which of course is a picture of the last day.
All right. So here, what's the reaction of the Jews who had come uh, to Mary when they saw the things that Jesus did there, namely calling Lazarus from his tomb and giving him resurrection? It says here, um, as is always true, many believed and some went away and did not, right? They went to tell the Pharisees what Jesus had done. I'm not, maybe that doesn't mean that they didn't believe that Jesus had done it, but I don't know. Maybe they thought they could change the Pharisees' mind. It's hard to say. Um, or, or they were just simply spies. What did the Pharisees do? As they do, they, verse 47, they gathered a council, the Sanhedrin, right, uh, to discuss what should be done about Jesus. What do we do? Why? What's their concern? Yeah, their concern is that he has worked many signs and everyone will believe in him. All right, now, why is that a problem that Jesus believe, or that people believe in Jesus because of the signs that they saw and the word that he speaks, of course? Well, they tell you here, this is all about power and control, right? Romans will come and take away both our place, our station, and nation, right? So they are quite literally the definition of a puppet regime, right? They've taken... Uh, what is good and right, and they use that in order to maintain power and control rather than uh, for its original purpose. Um, they do not care about the people. Um, they've been set up, or, or they have set themselves up, and now they're being used by foreign leaders. Um, you might think of a parallel situation um, in Eastern Europe of a puppet regime that's being um, well-funded by Western leaders um, who really don't care about the people but only care about their own monetary interests as is evidenced by their hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars uh, in offshore accounts outside their country. It's not quite as uh, cut and dry as, as uh, your press would have you believe. And politicians, all the warmongers, those drumming the, war, the drums of war. Same thing here, right? Jesus is a threat. One man, Jesus, is a threat to the whole nation and to the Pharisees' place in that nation. There you go. Uh, who spoke up? We've got Caiaphas, right, the high priest that year. Uh, I think the high priest maybe it was a two-year term. I can't remember um, that they overlapped somewhat. Um, so here's Caiaphas, though. Uh, what what did he declare in his office, right, as high priest? Beautiful thing. It's expedient for us that one man should die for the people. True, and that not that the whole nation should perish. True. Well, and John tells us as much here. The evangelist John, he's prophesying as high priest, that Jesus would die for the nation and for all people, right? That he would gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So this, this is, again, Caiaphas not knowing even what he's doing, right? Unwittingly declaring Jesus as the Passover lamb, the sacrifice, who would be offered on behalf of all men for the sins of all, the, all people, right? You see the same thing with Caiaphas, um, or, yeah, I think it's Caiaphas. Well, it's at least the Pharisees at the trial of Jesus before Pontius Pilate when they say, let his blood be on us and on our children. Also true. Not saying, you don't even know what you're saying. Um, from then on, what happens? Verse 53. Yeah, they scheme, they plot to put him to dead, to death, right? The cover-up. But what does Jesus do? Yeah. Until his time comes, his hour comes, according to John, he doesn't walk openly among the Jews, right? But he goes out into the wilderness near Ephraim and remained there with his disciples. Ephraim, um, that is a very interesting reference from John. Not one that you would have expected, and only from John, right? That's, that, that's where Jesus hangs out until the Passover, right? Um, back in Genesis 41, Joseph, 
Remember the two sons of Joseph born uh, to an Egyptian woman, right? Joseph's Egyptian wife. Um, let's see, where should we jump in here? Here we go. And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore him. So he married an Egyptian priestess, priest's uh, daughter. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God has made me forget all my toil in my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, quote, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Ooh, all right, think of Christ here. Jesus caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. All right, a grain of wheat must die and fall to the earth before it sprouts and grows and is fruitful and multiplies. Um, see also then afterwards, um, after the famine and the and the whole, what do you want to say, trial that Joseph puts his brothers through and his father, Joseph brought them from beside his knees and he bowed down his face to the earth and Joseph took them both, Ephraim with his right hand toward Israel's left hand and Manasseh with his left hand toward Israel's right hand and brought them near him. Then Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, who was younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, guiding his hands knowingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. Let my name be named upon them and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Now when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. So he took hold of his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, Here's a, This is really amazing. I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. But truly, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you Israel will, will bless, saying, May God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And thus he set Ephraim before Manasseh. All right, so think about the context here, what's going on. Right, Jesus is in the wilderness, right? And the name uh, Ephraim means, you know, it's a testimony of God causing fruit to be born in the midst of affliction. And then, of course, here in the blessing of Ephraim, it revealed that his descendants would be become a multitude of nations. So you see what's happening here? We have Caiaphas talking about, um, uh, or at least John telling us that Caiaphas's hmm, word that he die for all the for the people is actually a testimony of him gathering all nations to himself, fulfilling the promise placed upon Ephraim's head that he would be the father of a multitude of nations. Out of out of Egypt I've called my son, right here, out of the wilderness from Ephraim, Jesus will come to bless all nations. Beautiful kind of, uh, you know, one of those deep references and John doing a masterful job, by well, by way of the Spirit, of showing how Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. All right, what was drawing near? Like I said, the Passover. And uh, what were the people doing in Jerusalem? Purifying themselves, right? Preparing, being prepared for the Passover bodily preparation, if you like, fine outward training. Um, who were the people seeking? Of course, Jesus. And they ask, 
is Jesus going to come to the feast? Right? But note the, the um, command given by the chief priests and the Pharisees. Verse 40, 57, excuse me. Yep, if anyone knew where Jesus was, they should report it so that he could be seized. Right? And we know who will fulfill that. But one of Jesus' own. Hmm. All right, so meditation then. Though they acknowledge the many signs of Jesus, the chief priests and Pharisees will not believe that they are the works of the Father. Instead, they are concerned about losing their earthly kingdom and seek the death of Jesus. Yet, the words of Caiaphas point us to the even greater kingdom that is given to all the nations of the earth as the good shepherd lays down his life to gather his sheep who have been scattered. The Passover of the Jews is to be replaced as the Paschal Lamb is sacrificed by the high priests of the Jews on behalf of all men. It is this Jesus who purifies men and becomes the true high priest, not just for a year, but for all time. All right, and then uh, next week we'll pick up with the Passion according to St. Luke. We'll start working our way towards Holy Week, um, but in-depth catechesis to prepare for Holy Week. All right, let's say our catechism for the week, Table of Duties. The Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 14. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Galatians 6, verses 6 through 7. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. 1 Timothy 5, verses 17 through 18. We pray. O God, you see that of ourselves we have no strength. By your mighty power, defend us from all adversities that may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts that may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray today for the preaching of the Holy Cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for its spread throughout the whole world, for the persecuted and for the sick and dying. We pray... See, yep, today with Susan and Jeremy who celebrate their baptism. We pray for our households, especially Jerome, Linda, and Monty, Joshua, Eugene, Pastor, and Ann. Pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering Marcella, Bev, Kelsey, Amanda, Dan, Brad, Timothy, and Janice, Norm, Merlin, Jim, and Mike. Our homebound Bev, Willis, Ed, Mickey, and Paul. The missions and mercy work of the church, especially Camp Luisimo. We pray an intercession for the enemies and persecutors of the church, especially ours. And we pray for those grieving, especially the family and friends of Ken Nimmer. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. Let's sing our hymn for the week. Lord, thee I love with all my heart.
Good to have you with us here for the Congregation of Prayer today, Friday, March 18th, 2022. All right. Yes, and it's raining here. So, Lord's blessings on your day. I uh, hope this has been a blessing for you. And uh, we'll see it again tomorrow morning. Uh, I'll probably broadcast from home. Uh, Anne's going to be out of town. So, I'll 
been be doing double duty tomorrow. Um, but we'll consider the readings for Sunday and, and start to prepare uh, to hear God's word and preaching and teaching on Sunday uh, and be edified by it. Um, two notes before you leave. Uh, I'll send this out in the email as well today, but uh, one is that the pizza order forms are due um, Sunday. So if you haven't already collected orders, you know, call around to your friends and family or for the pizza making fundraiser. Um, put, in a, put in a big order for yourself maybe and freeze it. And um, also Sunday before divine service, so uh, at 8.45, uh, Congregational President uh, Don will be, Don Pfeiffer will be presenting uh, the budget and the uh, Constitution revision, um, just kind of walking you through both of those things, which will be um, at the Voters' Assembly in two weeks, or two weeks from, or a week from Sunday, I should say. So um, that way you have a chance to um, kind of digest it and look at it and, and make sure you know, do due diligence on that as, as within your authority as, as a member of the congregation um, so that you're prepared then uh, to discuss and vote it on it um, a week from Sunday. All right. So make plans to come in a few minutes early on Sunday and uh, get that presented to you um, so that then you're well prepared a week from now. All right. Lord, Lord's blessings then on your day and we'll see you tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.